So on the door to my office right here, I have a tile from Jerusalem with an image of a boat. And it's a drawing that's found on a wall uh, many centuries deep underneath the Holy Sepulcher uh, in, in Jerusalem, the place what's considered to be the site of the crucifixion. Most scholars think it was etched into the wall in about the third century. Others think maybe as early as the first or second century. And carved underneath this boat are the Latin words domine ivimus. Forgive my pronunciation if you know, know Latin. Domine ivimus, which translates to Lord, we shall go. Or it could translate into Lord, we went. The tense of the verb is not clear. It could be active, going, or in the past, when. And I find it really interesting that it doesn't say, here we are, or we have arrived. Lord, we shall go. Lord, we went. It's not claiming completion points to a really active journey. And it's a journey that begins and ends in Christ. So if we hold, we shall go, and we went together, and we put them on the very rock that's remembered as the location of Golgotha, the location where Jesus was crucified, died, and was buried, we have a journey that begins and ends at the cross. And in those first centuries, any journey in the name of Christ, any walk with Christ, would have been fraught with physical peril. Christianity challenged the power of empire. Christianity was the minority. Christianity challenged the power of Rome and proclaimed that there is no earthly power more powerful than God. No earthly power is more powerful than the power of God's love present in the world then and now, through Christ. So Christians back in the first century lived in the midst of deadly storms, deadly storms of being persecuted and tortured and killed for simply following Jesus. And today, Jesus invites his disciples in the gospel reading, he invites them to get in his boat to go across the sea, he invites them to go on, as we might say here, a spiritual journey. Jesus had been teaching before this invitation on the seaside and teaching to a crowd that was so large, he was worried he might get crushed. So he hopped into a boat for safety and he taught from the boat, he taught parables, the ones we've, we've heard, some of them recently, the sower, the parable of the lamp under the bushel, the growing seed, the mustard seed. And this boat in a sense was his pulpit. And maybe to push the boat as pulpit idea a little bit too far, or maybe not, maybe we could think of Jesus inviting the disciples into his pulpit, his pulpit boat. Follow me, be with me right here in the heart of my teachings. So the disciples had just absorbed what Jesus has taught, had taught as best or not as best as they could. Uh, and Mark's gospel has lots of examples and moments of when the disciples really don't get it. But with all that teaching, they embark with him and they follow him into what becomes a life-threatening journey. 
and suddenly a storm comes on them. Gale force winds whipping up the waves, crashing into the boat, the boat sinking, being swamped, total peril, life and death in the balance. It's a powerful image. And for us today, for Christians, when we journey with Jesus, we actually will be journeying into similar danger at certain moments. When we journey with the good news, the good news that love and liberation and restoration and peace, that essentially the kingdom of God is for everyone, we will be challenging forces that oppress, forces that hoard power, that hoard strength. It's a journey with Christ for us that's fraught with peril. And yet we have this cosmic promise that we see in this passage, like the disciples experienced in the boat, that Jesus is with us even when we think he's asleep and he's not there. He's ultimately at a cosmic level, his word, God's word, quells the storm. Jesus says to the storm, peace. Jesus says to the storm, be still. There's dead calm. Now we aren't at that ultimate dead end time and our lives are still on the sea in our boats with Jesus and we're journeying through dangerous waters. And sometimes there's calm. And sometimes we're fed by Christ's presence with us in our collective boat. And we're fed by Christ's presence with us and with all the other boats that this gospel reading says, we're there with them. And sometimes we all in the boats know the hope that in Christ, all things are made new. Sometimes we know that the old things, the terrible storms of poverty, oppression, brokenness, and all the suffering of the world, that these old things will, in Christ, they will pass away there will be peace. These things will be stilled. Just this week, we've been living this ebb and flow of storm and stillness, stillness and storm. The Supreme Court upheld out and out discrimination against LGBTQ plus foster parents right in the smack, right in the middle, smack in the middle of Pride Month. And yet at the same time, I see a friend of mine who married her wife in the church. She got ordained an Episcopal priest and they're pursuing motherhood with support from the church and some support from medical insurance. It's a storm, stillness, danger and hope together, part of our journey. And then yesterday, Juneteenth, our first uh, celebration as a nation, our first time Juneteenth has become, is named a federal holiday. Juneteenth honors the day 156 years ago when the enslaved people in Galveston, Texas, when they first heard they were free and that they had been free for two and a half years through the Emancipation Proclamation, but the news hadn't made it there. So yay for the realization of abolition, of agency, of the mind-blowing resilience of an oppressed people. And yay for the joy of liberation and for the vision of hope. That's a yay. That's the calm. But 
We can't call this a memorial because the work isn't done. The storm of racism still thrives. The true realization of freedom is a slow and terribly wind-blown journey, one with terrible waves. It's a work in progress because since Juneteenth, we've had, in the words of one commentator, 156 years of continual efforts to realize the simple truth of human equality and human dignity. We've had 156 years of economy coming before people, 156 years of waiting, of excuses, 156 years of repetitions, of talk without action. In this kind of huge storm, huge worldly storm, we often cry to Jesus like the disciples did in the boat. Do you not care that we are perishing? And with things like the pandemic, we see storms beginning to calm. We got to today sit out on the patio for the nine o'clock service without masks. I saw fellow parishioners and visitors. I saw their mouths. I, I could smile with more than just my eyes. And next week, this service is gonna be in the sanctuary. And if you choose not to come in the sanctuary, you are gonna see a stream of a service with human beings, not just Reverend Nate or not just Reverend me in the sanctuary. We're starting to have a new freedom and happiness, this beautiful stillness. Yet on our horizon, there's the Delta variant storm that may be hitting. Now, these are just some of the seas and some of the journeys that Jesus asks us to take with him. And these are just some of the fears and the real life dangers we face when we get into Jesus's boat, when we get into his pulpit. When we get into that boat at the foot of the cross, that boat that begins and ends with Jesus. Lord, we shall go on this journey. And Lord, we went on this journey. Lord, we are coming and we are going in deadly storms and in dead calm. Because we know in the big picture, at the end of the story, there will be peace. There will be stillness. All will be made new. So have faith. Amen.